Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Today with me, I have my good friend, Austin Burchard here. Hello, everyone. Welcome, buddy. Hello, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. All right. So, today is the first day of the basic premise of this podcast that we will be doing um, from here on out, having one guest on or a couple guests to talk about a singular movie. Today, we're going to be talking about Stephen Chbosky's sophomore film, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, based on his original novel. It was, um, when was the book released? Ooh, one second. Hang on. Film was released in 2012. It starred Emma Watson, Logan Lerman, and Ezra Miller about a, um, uh, about a wallflower, a teenager named Charlie, who just got, um, started his first day of, uh, ninth grade in high school and is kind of a loner and meets, um, Sam and Patrick, Emma Watson and Ezra Miller's characters and basically goes on an adventure of love, friendship, and relationships that I absolutely adore. Same as well. Before we get any further, I'd just like to say that this episode will contain spoilers of the movie. We will be talking in detail criticism and analysis of this movie. So if you have not seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, I recommend watching it first and then come listening to our review of it. If you don't care, you can listen anyway. We'll get more into that in, in a little bit. First, we're going to start off with the uh, little bit of history of the movie. Uh, first, uh, obviously, it started with a uh, classic novel that came out in uh, 1999. 1999. Interestingly enough, this book was written uh, by Stephen Chbosky, who later on wrote and directed the film. Um, I have actually read the book. I have not got a chance <laughs> to read the book, but I really want to. It's very, very interesting. It's one of the most faithful adaptations that I've seen in terms of book to film. I am curious if that's be strictly because uh, it's directed by the person who wrote it, so he knows what works and doesn't work for an adaption. So, why don't we start talking about the history? What did you find, Austin? Well, apparently, John Hughes, mm -hmm. the John Hughes, uh, originally bought the rights for to make this movie, and he actually started the screenplay. And then it kind of, about, he was going to go for like more of a black comedy style of uh, a movie, but then it kind of... For, and for this, you will never guess. It, he had Shia, Shia, Shia LaBeouf as Charlie, Kirsten Dunst as Sam, and then some nobody as Patrick. Uh, which, I mean, at least to me, it's nobody. It's Patrick Fugit, apparently, from Almost Famous. This was, I think, his most notable. Oh, that, oh, okay, that kid. I gotcha. Um, and then I guess. The filmmakers that were up for it were very notable. Were very notable directors such as Ron Howard, Richard Linklater, John Schwartz, Mick G, Joel Schumacher, and Ryan Murphy, as well as Danny Boyle. Could you imagine this movie directed by Mick G? That would be utter insanity. <laughs> I would turn one of my favorite movies into <laughs> one of my least favorite movies so fast. Oh, Mick G. Oh, Mick G. Can Sweet you imagine if Danny Boyle directed this movie? That would be very interesting. Danny, Danny Boyle's all over the place yeah. in terms of directing style because it's like, like I can't, I, I don't know, I can't pinpoint like fully. I mean, I've only seen a couple of his movies, but I can't pinpoint fully what his particular style is, I guess. If pretty much a lot of these, I don't know who John Schwartz is, Josh Schwartz is, but if Mick G or Joel Schumacher had made this movie... I would be very upset. Um, Steven Chbosky uh, went to film school at the University of Southern California, the screenwriters program. He began writing this book, um, this first draft, while he was a senior at USC, I believe, when he was um, still there. And he only wrote two other drafts of it, just kind of evolved from his personal experiences um, as a young, uh, young boy in Pittsburgh, where he's from and where the book and story takes place. So... Ooh. Got a little spittle on my thing. <laughs> it's also where it was filmed. Right. It was filmed in Pittsburgh. Um, and it basically just kind of evolved into uh, from letters that he actually wrote to um, 
yeah, his own personal experiences. And then he wrote two drafts of it. And then the third draft is what we got in uh, on the shelves at bookstores. It's really... It's a really great book. For a while, uh, the reason that I got into it personally is because my brother, when I was, I don't know, I wanted to say like sixth grade or something like that, it was his ba- his favorite book. He said like that was his all-time favorite book that he had ever read. So I was intrigued by that. And then later that summer, I saw that that was the year that the movie was coming out. I was like, oh, wow. Um, so I was, I must have been, so I was in eighth grade actually. And I heard, I was like, Oh, Emma Watson was going to be in a purse being a wallflower movie. I was like, that's amazing. Cause I had a huge crush on Emma Watson. I still really, I, I still, <laughs> she's awesome. I love her. So I was really, really intrigued, um, to see this movie. Do you have any history with it? Um, funny enough, it's funny how our brothers link us to these movies because originally my brother er, bought the movie. And I don't remember how he heard about it, but he bought the movie. And I remember seeing him watching it, and I was like, "What is this weird, weird movie?" <laughs> and I just kind of walked away. And then I think maybe a year later, I watched it uh, just like by myself, and I just remember like wondering how such a relatable movie could be made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is amazing. Um. Yeah, it, it, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. But I, um, so Stephen, so the book is really interesting because the structure of the book is very different than that of the movie because the movie is very obviously very visual. The book is all told in it's it's kind of like and it's kind of like a gimmick book. It's written through various letters that Charlie writes to an anonymous friend, very much like in the movie that's done through voiceover, but in the book, it's all that structure of the letters. So it's, I mean, obviously a book is you just tell it, but it's literally someone telling you the events and you not actually living them. And so you basically kind of piece it together in your head as opposed to it actually being fully laid out. It's still in a way. and it's worded so well, like you're kind of like, even like with it, it almost feels like the book almost feels like there's like one character, like you feel like you are with Charlie. So it almost feels like he's just the only one that you get to know. And it's really interesting because you see like his side of it. And then you just like hear Sam and Patrick um, and his sister and um, his brother all through him. So it almost just feels like you're just with him, but it makes it so interesting because you it's just like, it, it's again, it's just like he's telling a story to you, which I enjoyed very much. It's a very, it's a very fast read. And correct me if I'm wrong, the letters originally are to, supposed to be to his like dead friend, right? Yes, the, in, the, in the book it is to, um, it's too really an anonymous friend, but I think you can kind of piece it together that it is about his friend who did shoot himself that they talk about. Um, so either he's writing it to a friend that he wishes that he had, or he's writing it to the friend that he did have and he wish was still here. So you can kind of interpret it a couple different ways. Um, but it's a great book. It really is. Um, one of the interesting things that I found that was different about the book and the movie um, I mean, other than it, I, like I said, it's a very faithful adaptation, but there's one part that involves um, like his sister, Charlie's sister getting an abortion, which is not in, or they like, I mean, obviously which, they talk about it, but they don't, they don't show that at all in the movie. Technically, they actually shot all of those scenes. Mm-hmm. They're in the deleted scenes, but um th- Joe Serboski knew that once he like saw them, he knew that it the story is supposed to be about him. And while it does show something about his character, it was more importantly just about her character. Mm-hmm. And I think he was trying to more focus on one theme about this character rather than jump around. Yeah, I think it makes it much more centralized and it makes it flow much better because I feel like that part would like kind of make it a little bit more jarring. Like it would just be like kind of a quick switch. You can only so there's so much somberness Mm -hmm. before you just yeah completely depressed. I just feel like that doesn't fit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, Stephen Chbotsky was actually a pretty interesting choice because what was his first film? His first film was a movie called The Four Corners of Nowhere, which was a comedy and this movie came out in 1995 almost a 15 year gap uh so he really had time to harness his directing style yeah and like i said he was a originally a 
he wrote the screenplay for Rent, and he created the um, the television show Jericho all before making Perks Being a Wallflower. He's much more accomplished now after after all of this. So like now he um he wrote the screenplay for Beauty and the Beast that just came out and he wrote and directed Wonder, a movie we both really liked. Um he's really good at um excluding rent personally. I think he's really good at writing um he he's really good at doing relationships. I, I, I think that he um, he captures the essence of characters that could be considered like kind of simple and like I think we all know someone in Perks Being a Wallflower or like they're relatable mm-hmm. and like we can like easily attach to them I think he does really well at that yeah specifically in this movie you really have characters where you have uh, uh, Logan's character Logan Lerman's character uh, what's his name again? Charlie Charlie <laughs> brain fart uh yeah, you have Charlie, who is like this loner kid, and really is ex- uh, trying to. He very much is will do anything to make friends, and he he goes through these different experiences, and they kind of, his friends kind of change him, and mm-hmm. you really see him change and grow throughout the entire movie. Really, he is a very complex character. Yeah. Um, he, it's a, he was uh, also very heavily influenced um, in terms of writing by. Uh, Catcher in the Rye and uh, the writings of F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald and like Tennessee Williams. I see it a lot definitely in Catcher in the Rye about like, you know, like Charlie being like that kind of like he's he's almost like isolated in a way like he's like he feels by himself like very much like Holden Caulfield did and wanted to branch out. I mean, Charlie takes obviously takes him a while to latch on to people, but um, I, I definitely see that that connection there. Mm-hmm. Um and then it, you even kind of see the his the way he writes characters in the terms of uh, with Sam, who's literally the total opposite of him, where she's in completely outgoing and has had so many experiences. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's kind of showing off how he's a freshman and they're seniors that just going through these years that you learn to become a new person. Yeah. I watched an interview with him with the Screen Actors Guild when this movie first came out and he said that what was interesting about this movie is that it's a big jump from <coughs> he did the show Jericho which was on from 2006 to 2008 on CBS and he said that what was really interesting was that he worked with so many different directors and he's really proud of that show and it went so well but then he saw this um, this movie called Once which I love. Once is fantastic. And once he saw that, he was like, oh, I like how it's so low budget and so small, but it can like it makes an impact. Like they shot once with two cameras for like fifteen hundred pounds in Europe or something like that. Or no, 150 pounds. Like it's it, they made it for no money on two handheld camcorders or whatever with two actors or three. And it's one of like the best like kind of movie musicals in modern history um and he saw that and he was like well i i love how small and how kind of like you know independent and like close-knit that movie is so he was like well i have to do that for perks because it, it just fits so well because i mean if you have something that's high at budget it would have just been so mm-hmm. different um and again he said that he, like he's very proud of jericho but it's not the same um it doesn't have that same close feel right. and like kind of personal feel as it would if it was a big budget um so I, I think he made a good choice there. Um, I also love the. Did you look up any anything? Have you heard anything about the casting of this movie? Um, so other than uh, hearing who the prior people they would have cast was, uh, the first people cast were Logan Lerman and Emma Watson. Uh, a little bit after that is when they cast Mary Elizabeth and Dina Dubrov. And as well as uh, Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. who's another like, A-list actor who yeah. is joining this movie with a lot of no-names. Um, got Kate Walsh, who joined in after that. And then you also have uh, Dylan McDermott, who joined in. Like You have a lot of good-named actors, as well as some no-name actors in this movie. I heard that like when... So he finished the screenplay and he sent it first. Like Emma was the first person. Emma Watson was the first person he cast because he sent her agent, gave her the script, and she fell in love with the character and really loved the line "We accept the love we think we deserve" and was like, "Oh, I got to do this movie." And uh, then it was tough to uh, 
But then he found Logan Lerman and they auditioned him and, and they were like, well, this kid's already done, you know, so many things. He's like been an, uh, like a professional actor since he was like, you know, nine or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's like, oh, can he do this? And he was like, and so he was like, oh, well, why don't we ca- like have him audition for Patrick? And then Logan Lerman was like, no, I want to be, I want to try Charlie. And he nailed it on his first audition. And he was like, wow, this, this guy is, this is the guy. Like we need this guy. But then, like, the character of Patrick was, like, the hardest to cast Mm -hmm. because you wanted to find someone that was, like, Ferris Bueller in a way. And, like, Ezra Miller just, like, like, they said that he just, he killed it and then they called him back and he did even better. So, and that's how we got the famous cast that we have, that we have today. Well, it's also really interesting because a lot of the main actors, like... Emma Watson was just coming off of Harry Potter, so, and as well as, um, Patrick's, uh, sorry, Ezra Miller was just coming off of We Need to Talk About Kevin. Which which, gained, which garnered so much praise yeah, for both he, him and Tilda Swinton. Yeah, so. and he played such a creepy character in that movie, and as well as Percy, uh, Logan Lerman, who played Percy Jackson, all these main actors had been in such big things that they mm. were known for, so that when th- this came out, is such a mold-breaking movie yeah. for all of them. It's very human for all of them. It's very different. Um, so, <laughs> take a sip of water there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we, um, interesting story about, um, I was originally going to see this movie with my stepdad and he at this exact same time so our movie theater by us in um in binghamton gets independent movies like once in a while like a little bit after they get released and they're you know in their limit release and then their wide release or whatever so at the exact same time this movie came out and was playing seven psychopaths was playing at this theater and my stepdad was a huge fan of in bruges and is the same guy writer and director it's the guy who just did three billboards and he was like why don't we go see seven psychopaths and i was like well why don't we go see perks being a wallflower i really want to see it and he didn't want to see that so we didn't end up seeing anything and he still holds it against me because <laughs> my wanting to see perks of being a wallflower like didn't want him like did like prevented him from seeing seven psychopaths <laughs> <laughs> it isn't in Bruges one of your favorite movies in Bruges is one of my favorite movies but this time I had not seen it it was still a couple years until I was going to see it so it was <laughs> used to that every time we walk past the fucking DVD of um or the, of, of, yeah every time we walk past the DVD of seven psychopaths it's just like oh I was gonna see that movie and it's like well you still can and you know <laughs> and then you can just be like well I could have seen perks of being a waffle <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so um and the, but the first time i ever saw this movie my mom was going over to a friend's house and i had to go um this was my i was a freshman i was i was actually a freshman in in high school at this point and i rented the movie at Redbox. box it was like oh i really want i've been wanting to see this for a while and i remember just uh, sitting in this room like when it was up so they were downstairs in the kitchen i was upstairs in this very nice house in vestal in vestal new york and it was i was just I was blown away i couldn't believe because I, I hadn't even read the book at this point and uh so why don't we start talking about the movie um and we'll talk about some scenes that we liked okay so to start off, I also, when I watched the trailer for this movie, when it was actually first released, I was like, okay, that's cool that, um, I like hearing Emma Watson doing a, uh, an American accent. I think it sounds cool. But then I was like, oh, Paul Rudd's in this movie. Oh, that's kind of a, um, I was scared about it, it that because, because that, yeah. it was like, okay, it's a comedic, a comedic actor doing a, 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 more, a more dramatic position. I had never seen him do a dramatic, I, cause I hadn't seen like Cider House rules yet when he mm-hmm. was like, his like kind of. A bigger claim to fame for him so it was like i was a little scared about that but i really liked him i liked him yeah. a lot in this movie his role in this movie is very small mm-hmm. but it was also very well done and somehow he has one of the most influential lines in the movie yeah exactly people, yeah where it's uh we accept the love we think we deserve yeah. which also is then said later by mm-hmm. logan lerman yeah exactly so um but yeah he was like he was like kind of like a really good friend to have yeah. you know like i yeah i like i, I like to i walk. feel like everyone or I me mean, not everyone but i feel like in some schools everybody has that one teacher sometimes whereas like they're always they always try to reach out mm-hmm. to that like one lonely person or something yeah no absolutely and it's 
I love, <laughs> I love that line when he says, um, he's like, hey, they, I know it's tough for you, but I, uh, I, I hear that if you make one, make one friend on your first date, you're going to be okay. And Charlie goes, well, thanks. Uh, but if my English teacher was the only friend I made, that would be sort of depressing. <laughs> um, and I, I remember uh, thinking, uh, edit. I don't know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I really liked him. But automatically, I was I really connected with Logan Lerman's character and his portrayal of Charlie. Like, I thought he was just, like, he embodied um, just this, like, he was so relatable. And was, exactly. like, just, like, he was, like, you underst- like, understood everything. And you just wanted to, like, give him a hug. And you're like, yeah, I, I understand, buddy. It's okay. And so emotional and we'll talk about that later but like i just like you just see this like this kid and it's very much um it's like it's kind of like we all see that person like that one person who's kind of like secluded there's so much more to them and like you just wanted to like know everything about him and like see where he was going yeah um so so much so that in like each scene you're worried that what he's gonna do next but like we i love that we didn't know like i didn't when i first watched it i didn't know what was gonna happen yeah. when did you first watch this movie so your brother my um, brother first introduced it to me i didn't watch all the way through with him i kind of sat in like on the scene uh at prom or homecoming i forget which one it is on the movie yeah they're but, like it's a sadie no that's not that's not a sadie hawkins dance it's just some dance I yeah think some it's dance yeah. and uh that's like i was watching that scene i'm like this seems really weird but then like i don't remember specifically the time i think it was like a year later i was just watching it and i was just blown away i remember the pace of this movie like the pacing when i first watched it i was like wow this is like it's super engaging and it's just like each scene like just like you, you just felt like you were there and like it was it was so mm. gripping like it's not even like you know it's not like the gripping thriller dramas yeah. but it's so like you just love the characters and, and before this on. movie i don't think i ever really had watched a movie where they're not romanticizing high school like they're always romanticizing high school like oh you always have friends and everything like this really shows like a person going into high school who literally is living up to the shadow of his brother and has nobody he gets mocked by for being a a actually smart kid this to me was the part this is a perfect high school movie because i mean we have all of those high school movies from the 80s like you know 16 candles of the breakfast club where it's like talks a lot about the clicks and like all these different but this movie focuses a lot on the on the personality and just like it ranges all over the place and i absolutely love it and it's so realistic it's like it's it just embodies what what high school was like what i what i noticed during yeah. high school and it's it's just it's so so great um also it shows that sometimes uh the popular kids are also weird which as a person who identifies as being a weird person it's like very interesting mm-hmm. and it's like having full like love that you are a weirdo and like patrick's character is not afraid to be who he is and like you see that in when he's in like anytime he's in like class with uh charlie's character or any time like obviously there's parts when he shows his true side where he's like very scared Mm -hmm. and like that's again it's like very true to a person it's like you can always be uh as you can always say that you're confident to be who you are and then you're always going to try to hide that one part of yourself from everyone else i really love the scene um where he's in when we first are introduced to patrick and he's making fun of the shop teacher and he draws the goatee yeah. on his face i love that so much like i was a nam <laughs> it's so great and then in the very end where he's just like you know if you fail me i'm just gonna cut to bug you again next semester <laughs> <laughs> you got a c minus below average <laughs> let me just say ezra miller's performance in this movie is is fantastic there's never a moment where he's on screen where i'm like oh okay he's kind of annoying he's awesome i love him in this movie to death he's so funny and so emotional and just so lovable all wrapped up into one and he's just so great i love him (laughs) and we also have to get this out of the way i think this is hands down without a doubt emma watson's best performance that she's given to date i personally think i'm trying to think what movies she's been in so she did so obviously harry potter she was also in she was a voice 
of uh, in Tale of Despero. I'm sure there's a lot of movies you no. can name off. Yeah, there's uh, Jaren Aronofsky's Noah. Yes, there's right that she's in Noah. She's just came up with the Circle and Beauty and the Beast. Um, but yeah, to me, of all the movies that I've seen mm, with her, I this could, is, I could, I, of the movies I've seen, I would agree. This is this is definitely her. But and I and I love me some Harry Potter. It's yeah. my favorite movie series. But this movie, like she, she steps it up. She brings everything. Though in. it is hard to compare those as well because they're two totally different kind of genres in a certain sense. Because mm-hmm. like this is very much a character drama, whereas she kind of was just playing a supporting character in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And this, she has really a lot more. Which she design. obviously is does really well. But here it's just like it, it's everything I want and more from this mm. character it's, it's just so so perfect oh I, I love it so much all right um another big thing uh about this movie that we get into so there's the scene where he is at the party for the first time i think it's like right after the dance or something like that right after the thing just a football game yeah which by the way the cool thing about the dance i love um when they start dancing to Come On Eileen. Like, I think... That's that, an amazing song. I think it's underrated. This song? Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's a great one-hit wonder. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, but their dance is just so much... I love it. It's just like living room routine. Right. Like, that's like total, like, like total brother, sister. Like, I, I have thing. a friend who wants to play that at their wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, like, everyone would dance to that. Like, um, So, yeah. So, yeah, it's right after the... Um, right after the dance i believe that it's not the, the football game is something else the football game they go to the restaurant for the first time yeah, right so after the dance they go to their friend's house and charlie um eats a weed brownie and then i remember um being so um gripped by the scene where he tells um sam that his friend shot himself and she tells patrick and just like how they were just like shocked and then and they all in raised... that moment i feel like they knew that he needed somebody mm-hmm. which shows what kind of people they are because they went after and like grab through this kid a lifesaver while he was drowning and they like pulled him in and when they all raised their glasses to him and he's like i didn't think anybody noticed me it's just so like there were so many times throughout my early years of high school where i felt the exact same thing so i was just like oh yes like oh it's just like i i, I feel that i feel that like so much so it's that's just one of the many examples where it's just so relatable you know? yeah um also i feel like it really plays to like it sh- really shows again like how this movie is playing too this is what it's actually like because it's literally he's like playing it so nonchalant because literally she's making him like a milkshake in that scene and it's like oh wow i didn't know we were being this open yeah him being high also kind of added yeah that's probably part of it yeah Um, Uh, his character though probably would have done that regardless the weed probably just made him like just be more open well, yeah, definitely. I don't know if he would have done it so soon. Maybe not. If I think definitely the weed made him just be like, okay, yeah, I feel because because you're cool, you're cool, yeah. And I think that like yeah. Um, and then also in the scene we see that Patrick is having uh, a relationship with Brad, the football mm-hmm. player. Uh, this guy, um, the, I can't remember the guy's name who plays him is Johnny Simmons. Johnny Simmons, that's right. Yeah, he's on. Um, he was in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He was in the original short film of whiplash the famous scene where fletcher hits um andrew like about the tempo it's not miles teller it's johnny simmons in the original short film that they submitted to the sundance film festival he's really good in this movie i'm usually like pretty like lukewarm about him but i think he does a pretty good job in this movie honestly other than this movie i do not remember any seeing him in anything Mm -hmm. um and I, I think it's good. I like showing the conflict inside of Patrick about the relationship, like especially the scene where um, later on it comes out that you know Brad's dad found out about their relationship and started beating him. And the way that this was when they're on like near the Hollywood sign, they're they're not near the Hollywood sign. They're in Pittsburgh. Um, oh, the good old Hollywood. Yes, side you know of they, they have one of those, right? Um, no, it was when they're, they're admiring the skyline. Yeah, they're yeah they're talking about the sky and they're talking about like you know random ass stories, <laughs> and he comes out and says, um, and Patrick literally just has his breakdown. Yeah, but his his breakdown was very kind of it was contained, but it was also like 
I don't know. It but, wasn't like so overtly like just completely crying and well, like hamming it up, but it was like well, it made sense. Because I also feel like if you think about it, like Patrick's character in general is very over the top. Mm. So when you see him break down, it's very much the opposite of his character, where it's very much just low, mm-hmm. like very contained, humanistic. Yeah, very much so. Um, I also think that this movie. Um, in that scene also I really love <laughs> so they're talking about like old like suburban folklore like you know uh, urban legends the stories or whatever about people that they knew and I love he says um, uh, oh so Charlie tell me one of your stories and he's like yeah this one girl she would always let her uh, let guys uh, touch her boobs and Patrick's like, that's it. <laughs> Mind you, <laughs> Um Then later on, uh, at the in that scene when Patrick drives um, uh, Charlie home, it's um, then he uh, does he kiss him in that scene? In that scene, yeah, that's what I thought. He's yeah. like breaking down, then he kisses him, and then he's very apologetic. And then Charlie's character is very much like, it's okay. It's like. This isn't. It doesn't make this relationship weird. Oh yeah, because like, under, he understands yeah. that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like him himself knowing that he's had very many breakdowns mm-hmm. in his own psychological, uh, psych psychology psychology, in his own sense mm-hmm. that he knows that it was a mistake. Yeah, and I think he also understands that Patrick is like very much trying to like find the. Um, the homeostasis um, like the back back getting back to a normal life mm-hmm. and um, like trying to work through the conflict I think he understands that it was a rough place for him so it, and that's another great thing that Charlie's very understanding and I love uh, I, th- I always found Mary Elizabeth the, mm-hmm. her character I always found her um, I understand her reasoning for being there no, Just no, no. I always I always found her kind of funny because there's someone that I knew who was like almost exactly like that. So, um it was like she I always found her funny, but like I also it's like, "Oh, if I was ever in this relationship, like I can understand why it's like mm-hmm. it would be very very annoying and like kind of frustrating, you know, cuz yeah. like she's very clingy. And I think we all know we all like know that. people like that, yeah. And it's just like, oh my god, like it's almost like, I like it's but like I love when they're playing Truth or Dare, and it's like, Charlie, what's your first relationship like? And he's like, it's so awful that I hope one of us gets cancer and dies, so we don't have to deal with breaking up with each other. <laughs> Ugh, there's so many. There are a lot of like really kind of darkish humor points in that book. <laughs> there's a reason why some scenes were cut to keep it less somber. <laughs> dark-ish humor though i mean um yeah. one i'm not uh I, since we're jumping around there is one thing i wanted to bring up uh so and it's actually not in the movie it's a deleted scene oh okay but the reason i want to bring it up is because in the comments he had uh, in the movie uh he does com- uh, the director steven Chabosky does a commentary for the deleted scenes so he explains why certain uh the deleted scenes, did, why those certain shots didn't make it in the movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the shots he does is when uh, all of his friends are there at, I believe it's Sam's house or somebody's house. I forget whose. Um, Charlie's in his suit and they have him. He has this letter that he wrote or this poem and he starts reading it and it's it turns into being about in the end of the letter it's like about killing the person killing themselves and everything Mm -hmm. and the reason he didn't make it into the movie is because Stephen Chabosky never planned on putting it in the movie it was in the book apparently and he just wanted to shoot it so that I guess these the actors could understand his character more as well as just see this part this thing that he wrote on screen Mm -hmm. because i think he knew that something that dark wouldn't fit the character or at least fit like the way the story was going but just watching that scene in the lead scenes it's such an amazing scene i love that idea of just shooting this to shoot it to get emotion and to understand like to get to another point so it's like you you have to get from a to b but you're like almost there but like you you don't really know 
and then that is something that can like fully get you there and mm -hmm. I, I totally understand that and that makes a lot of it, it's so cool like honestly like that's like that's super helpful right. um there's a couple scenes that i find that are super important and that stick out to me among the rest because i love like i i love the the funny scenes and i love all the stuff mm -hmm. in the tunnel and like all this other stuff but i um first the scene when uh like i referenced they're playing truth or dare and uh patrick i believe dares charlie to kiss the most beautiful girl in the room and this is when he's dating mary elizabeth and instead of kissing her he kisses sam and i remember watching this and i literally was close to just like shouting out loud like holy shit like i couldn't believe it like i would did not in any way see it coming like i was i was just like i was in shock <laughs> like honestly and it's it, it's still to this day it just like it like makes me like kind of like like shrivel up like oh my god like that happened you know <laughs> Yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about some of my like most like I feel like mine are much different. Like in like some of the more important scenes, not important, but like mm -hmm. more like memorable scenes for me. Like the scene, I'm not sure if it's necessarily one scene because it kind of takes place in a little bit of the movie. Because I feel like I kind of felt like this at one point was just kind of when after that happens, he literally is just trying to call them and try to be friends with them again is like I don't I didn't mean to mess anything up like I please I just want to be friends again like why can't we all just go back to being friends like and he's just trying to get back what he messed up and I can totally understand him, him mm. in character right there when he's trying to trying to fix it and it's like I don't know what to do please tell me what to do and I'll do it mm -hmm. I mean, you can always say, like, you're sorry as many times as you possibly can, but, like, you know, part of you knows in your heart that that won't fix anything, but you try and you want and you just keep giving. But it's like it, you all, you stay right where you are and it's the hardest thing, like, in the world. Um, Which makes it when, like, he goes to defend Patrick, it just makes it, like, build up so much more. That was the next scene I was going to talk about. The fight scene with Patrick is done so well so beautifully that it's just oh man when it cuts out and then it cuts back in immediately after it's just like oh it's you don't see anything but like you just feel like this is like you, it's, you see it from his perspective no I mean, later on you say but like when in the first scene you see him start to punch i know you see out. it from his perspective though where it's no, like right, right, he right. doesn't know what he's doing right and i was just like and even though we didn't see really anything from that point he just seemed like so larger than life and just yeah. like like I, I loved that like he was just like yeah like oh come on man like that it was just such a it was such a great moment i love it and don't touch my touch my friend again and i'll blind you like that's oh so awesome and that brings them all back together it's so great and of i think the um before i talk about my final scene that i uh love but gets to me uh this whole idea of charlie's aunt throughout the entirety of the book mm -hmm. is handled in such a way that it's very it's this is another thing that's captured so well within the um, in the novel. Um, it's a very it almost seems like you know why they keep talking about his aunt Helen like mm -hmm. why like how is she important you know okay he really liked her you know like that's that's cool it's it's sad that you know she passed away so suddenly but like where what is her place in all this because you think it's like oh um, he misses family or something. he's just like misses his family or like he's like oh yeah she was uh, you know I, I kind of get. I, not getting over the death of her but like there's it's so much deeper than when they revealed that he that she was molesting him it was just like wow it makes it's just like and it's such a small moment too that you see it's i, I will admit in that scene when i first watched the movie it, i kind of didn't understand it. i didn't get that that's what was happening mm -hmm. and I, maybe it was like me not paying attention or maybe it was very clear but like the very first time i watched it i, I had to like look up afterwards like to see to understand like specifically like what that scene meant yeah yeah absolutely which, um which kind of leads to like one of i have like two other good scenes that i really like are one of them is kind of when he has that breakdown you get that realization yeah when he when he's walking back from yeah. saying goodbye to sam oh man that that scene all like makes me cry like yeah hard like, you it's literally so bad. you literally see the editing and it makes him like in the one scene just walking down the road you see him pop from here to here to here mm, it's yeah, like opacity. you can see him like 
you can see his thought spirals going, going, mm. and you don't know what he's going to do next. Yeah. But and when he's like, it's my fault. Oh, stop crying. Stop crying. Stop it. I yeah. was just like, oh, my God. Like, it's just built. Like, the this whole movie is built so well that you're just like, you f- like feel like that with him. And yeah. it's just there's so much to just let out. And when he calls his sister, she knows exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I also think what's interesting about the fact that... Um, so in terms of the psychology of it it's like his aunt was um molesting him but i think the fact that like he loved her so much like throughout his entire life was like repressing that memory and he just wanted to keep it so that he still loved her and like she was this amazing person and it i think that really ate it like kind of added to his almost like to his personality that way of being kind of secluded and it's heartbreaking it really is because like you'd want him to like in the in the book it's much more like kind of like flat out because it's, it's wording but here it's all visual so it's like you you get it like oh okay it says it that she was molesting him but in the in the movie it's much more you have to think about it and you're like oh you piece it together like oh this is why he's like this and this is why like then uh, it's just like your self-realization just makes it even more heartbreaking you know and but i also like that um it connects him in a way to um, Sam's character and she said that her first kiss was from her dad's boss when Mm -hmm. she was 11 and that's another very small moment but it makes like I think that's a connecting moment Mm -hmm. in the scene where it's like they confess their you know yeah I was gonna get to that Mm -hmm. as one of my favorite scenes Mm -hmm. in the movie both of their scenes in the bedroom there's two scenes when they're in the bedroom I absolutely adore like they're they have great chemistry in this movie they do they really do yeah you want to talk about that scene um I was just gonna say like it's the same scene that leads into uh, when he has his breakdown when they leave. It's like that night before you kind of just see him like he knows it's too late to say anything that will make her stay. And he just needs to say it, come out and say that like he cares for her. And she, she literally is like, you could have had me anytime. Mm. I have felt the same way this entire time. Yeah. And it's, it breaks your heart because you are on this journey with them. It's like, she obviously cares about you. Just say it. And then like it's because he didn't say anything this entire time that she, she was just moving on with her life because mm-hmm. he wasn't doing anything about it. You have something to say? Well, I thought I was going to wait for you to finish. Oh, um, and then finally, in that scene, it, you don't have to see anything happen between them other than like that kiss you just know that the the love they have for each other in that scene whether or not it's really like familial or like a sexual or whatever it's Mm. just they care and it's really is warms the heart yeah no absolutely um and so what I was going to say was I think what the I think that that in terms of storytelling is a little bit unconventional because I mean we always are so you know kind of into the idea of him of the main protagonist getting getting the true love mm-hmm. and like you know receiving that but it's like he doesn't get it you know yeah. it's like it was almost a missed opportunity but he's he's still losing her if not like in that way in terms of the love but in terms of like her actually going away to school and it makes it even you know kind of worse but it's also like so relatable because we've all had that moment where we're like oh i've said relatable a lot but this movie's it's really relatable yeah movie. <laughs> it's like i you know i want i want this or i want this relationship or i want like, you know, we all have those wants in life that we just can't have, you know, and it's super hard to accept that. Um, and then, of course, the famous scene at the end um, when they're um, obviously like after he gets out of the um, the psych ward and um, so, by the way, the scene in the psych ward, um, uh, Joan Cusack shot all of her scenes in one day. Fun fact. Fun fact. Again, uh, they originally were going to uh, open the movie with him in the psych ward as well. And really? They, and they were going to show his typewriter. So it was going to be like a flash, flash forward. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he didn't do that. Yeah. I'm glad they kept that like mm-hmm. kind of to themselves and secluded. Um, but yeah, she flew out to uh, Pittsburgh, shot all her scenes, plus a couple extra things that they didn't make it into the movie, and then flew out that very night and 
uh, that's how they got Joan Cusack. And, yeah, and Bob's her uncle. And Bob, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this movie. Um, and then of course, the scene at the end in the tunnel is mm-hmm. was already cool when they did it the first time. It's but then, like, you but see, then you see it just is like coming together, yeah. and it's so much satisfaction all into like you know one scene. You you can see in the first like the first time they do it, you can see it's Sam showing her like she's so free, she's free mm-hmm. as an eagle, she can capture the world, and then in the end when Charlie does it, it's like you see him finally be free like he's not necessarily over all of his worries or whatever Mm -hmm. but at that one single moment he's able to just open up and just Mm, be in the moment yeah Yeah. and then then he says the famous line he says in this moment we are infinite i think that shows a perfect character arc Mm -hmm. he's finally like you know he he is like now he's with he's completely like almost like in love in that Mm -hmm. sense and he's completely connected i found this quote from this movie and i just saw it and i realized how true it is to my life it says so this is my life and i want you to know that i am both happy and sad and i'm still trying to figure out how that can be (laughs) yeah yeah very much so Mm -hmm. and that's just amazingly true Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of is the epitome of what this movie is is that he is a sad and he's a very sad character but he finds moments of happiness. Uh-huh. No, yeah, like, absolutely. Like real life. But I think what's interesting is that the moments of happiness that he feels are the ones that last forever. Mm-hmm. And they are greater than any other moment. They are infinite. They are infinite, yes. I think that this movie is about... Um, it's really about, you know, loving another person and making the connection and having a human experience with the best people that you could possibly find and we've all had those moments where we felt you know alone and secluded but there's always someone out there that we can that we're going to connect to and i think that the relatability of all these characters like i said in the connection it just makes it just make us see ourselves in them and we can there's always there's something for everybody um and i think this movie will is heavily underrated and will stand the test of time yes definitely top 10 movies for me top 20 for me i would say yeah but before we go to giving it a rating do you have any criticisms about this movie um i mean they don't really talk a whole lot about their other friend so there's mary elizabeth and uh and patrick and sam and charlie but then there's another friend that they don't talk about that much she's going to she's going to nyu and then there's the stonehead guy oh yeah uh no that was that was bob is that bob yeah okay yeah i also love also the sister uh her boyfriend's name is ponytail Derek. Which I always thought was really funny because that's like that Steven Chabotsky was like, well, what, who am I going to, what am I going to name this guy? You know, it's like, oh, Ponytail Derek. Yeah. I mean, that gives him a lot to think about in terms of character because if you're named Ponytail Derek, it's like, all right, I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> um, yeah. There's not many things that I find wrong with this movie. I, mm-hmm. I just. But it's always good to look at a movie yeah. from both sides saying what you love and what you think they could do better. Yeah. I, I, they didn't expand. Um, a whole lot on his on feeling like he was in his brother's shadow they didn't do a lot of that they they, they did some of it and it's mm-hmm. a fine amount but I don't think they did a, like a lot of it as much as they did in the book they talk about that a, like a, a fair amount in the book but I still it's not that big a deal like I'm still happy very much mm-hmm. with the way that they handled it but I think that would have been a little bit more interesting to add something a little bit more to his character you know what I mean because like he seems pretty close with his brother yeah you know and not with his sister you know so that's so that that could have been a, another interesting angle that they could have taken with it other than that i think this movie's pretty 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 great. solid yeah what about you um like i said before like the first time i watched it like i kind of was lost with the whole ant thing so that that for me it maybe it was just me but knowing what is supposed to what it's supposed to be and then going and watching it i understand it a lot more um I would agree with you on like some of the characters like I definitely would agree with you on the sister wise though I feel like if they had the whole abortion segue you kind of would see that her character was like shown a lot more yeah. like I mean you can kind of infer so since her boyfriend is 
like you know hits her and like all this that that does kind of add to that fact of we accept the love we think we deserve but we don't like you know we don't we yeah we we accept we don't really get the love that we want you know that's not the love that we need and i think that kind of adds to it that she is not making the right connection and is having a tough time with that um so i but again it's kind of small you know so i think that like i like that like it makes sense you know i i understand why they put that tough relationship in there and it does add to it because it makes the characters about the theme about having that tough connection which i like um but it is a little it's like just a one scene you know what i mean but it's still overall it's not a big it's not really that big a problem in my opinion um was any other criticisms uh i don't i'm a i really love this movie so it's tough yeah it's really it's it's tough to it's tough for me to find some criticisms with this movie um so we like to try and have a rating system here at frankly we love movies and uh, we do them in the style of metals so nope that's not the title of it. it's frankly i love movies. <laughs> what did i say you said frankly we love movies oh sorry <laughs> it's fwim fwim <laughs> no um <laughs> so here at frankly i love movies <laughs> our rating system from top to bottom goes uh platinum gold silver bronze participation disqualification um so i personally am going to give this movie a gold because i don't think it's perfect but i still think it's a fantastic movie see this is hard for me i so so badly want to give it a platinum Mm -hmm. but i feel deep down that like you said gold probably mm-hmm. just because i love this movie so much and it's one of my favorites but like there's some part and i don't even have that many criticisms for it but like there are some movies where like for instance Lady Bird, mm-hmm. where it is very much a coming of age story and it's just very much told differently and mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm gonna go with gold yeah and this movie has a great rewatchability factor oh, so yeah. i think that um over time it could it could change or even get better you so. can pick up things on each one of the characters each time you watch it yeah all right that's all the time we have for today thank you austin for joining me thank you josh absolutely really love talking about perks being a wallflower hope you check out our next episode that's going to come out in two weeks till then i'm josh wall and frankly i love movies <laughs>